200 accredited courses and more than 1,000 videos, the Police One Academy is a powerful online solution that provides department training programs with features that reduce time spent on records and policy management, credential tracking, and more. It is law enforcement training made simple and effective. For more information and to get a 30-day trial, visit www.policeoneacademy.com forward slash policing matters. Hello, and thank you for clicking, and thank you for listening to Policing Matters, the Police One podcast. I'm Doug Wiley. Hey, I'm Jim Dudley. Hey, Jim, you sent me an email, or maybe it was a text, I can't recall, a few days ago, with a topic suggestion, and it, it had a title that I was unfamiliar with. So I Googled, and I looked it up, and I found out it was actually synonymous with something that I've known about for a couple of years, cognitive interviewing. I want to do a quick reader of something that I kind of wrote up about this. Interviewing victims of violent crime is vastly different an enterprise than interrogating the suspected perpetrators. Victims of violent crime, as well as witnesses, are likely to have suffered trauma that can affect their recall of their recall effectiveness. Uh, vital elements may be erased from memory while they may recall things that aren't precisely what happened. Victims of trauma also often recall events not in the order that they actually occurred, potentially causing an inexperienced interviewer to conclude deception. Further, traditional interview techniques can cause the victim to feel re-victimized. Um, the, 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 this, what you had called trauma-informed police interviews, is effectively the same as what Force Science Institute teaches as cognitive interviewing. Um, and I'm Force Science certified. I'm familiar with a lot of the techniques, although I'm not a practitioner, so I've never actually done them. Uh, what are your thoughts on the differences between kind of traditional interviews of, uh, of suspects and uh, or the interrogations really of suspects and how do you have to behave differently like asking open-ended questions and change the way in which you gather information and receive it yeah well definitely there are different tacks to take depending on who the the victim is or who you're interviewing so as you ask, as far as suspects go, um, I think it's important to uh, once uh, if, the, if you do have the criteria for Miranda that you have custody and interrogation, once the Miranda advisement is given, once the suspect waives their right, uh, then you begin not just into did you do it? Where's the gun? Why would you hit him? Why? Before you go into that, that you establish the truth-telling style. That's the way I've always been taught, that the the idea of cognitive interviewing says that you take in the totality of what you have in front of you. Mm-hmm. What what are the physical signs that the individual is giving you? Uh, not necessarily falling for the old adages of looking up to the right, yeah, right and looking down to the left and things like that, but that, that you establish a rapport and that you gain some some insight into the individual's truth-telling style. From then, you can go on, ask the questions that you need to, and you can make uh, a pretty good educated guess of whether or not they're telling you the truth or uh, whether they're leaning towards uh, fantasy over fact. Juxtapose, juxtapose, <laughs> juxtapose that with interviewing a victim, and it's it's a it's a different setting altogether. And 
victims uh, of various crimes, but the more traumatic, the more uh, severe the injury, the more personal the injury, the more likely that the individual is going to be traumatized. Uh, they may be in a heightened state where they're just rambling on or a near catatonic state right. where they totally shut down. So the interviewing officer has to be cognizant of that, has to uh, recognize that they might have to um, get some medical attention mm -hmm. first, uh, get the individual into a safer environment rather than at the scene of the attack mm -hmm. uh, to, to separate them not only physically but visually from the locale of the incident and the suspect mm -hmm. and then to um to be aware of the circumstances that happened so if there was an injury if there was a sexual attack um that um, understand that when the person's answering you if it comes out jumbled or confused or exaggerated you have to sort of take those things into consideration and assume you're going to do a follow-up um, interview after the fact so mm -hmm. certainly you want to get out um, information especially when a suspect's fled the scene or if there's a, a significant injury where um, the individual may have to go for treatment and then you're not going to have access for several hours or, or days even um, so the, all those things considered uh, I think with the with the behavioral people, what the doctors and nurses in trauma centers want to get away from, are the and and I've seen it in several documents. Get away from the Jack Webb, just the facts, right. ma'am, just the facts, and and that is to show some compassion, show some humility, um, cut these people some slack. They they were just involved in a situation uh, that would traumatize somebody in your own family so treat them as if they were uh, somebody you know right and I think that you can equate that with interviewing an officer who is involved in a shooting because they are also a victim of a crime right yes. uh, and you know so you have to take into consideration the emotional and I'm now talking again about victims of a crime not yeah. not officers the emotional state you have to take into account that they don't remember things in order that you're going to get, and this is a question that I really thought of uh, as being really interesting when I took for science. Um, you have to accept, I don't know, or I don't remember as not being deceitful, as being the truth. Right. I don't know, I right. don't remember. And questions like, um, then what happened are not useful. Right. You have to ask, ask, what else do you remember? You right. know, so you have to change the, the, the actual verbiage of your questions to achieve the objectives. And, and, you know, a lot of interviews are, you know, I want to I want to know what happened at six thirty, six forty five, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, and boom. You know, that right. kind of, and they, they don't remember things right. that way. No, you may be talking to someone who's in shock or going into uh -huh. shock. So it's very important to lay out the process and the chronology of what's going to happen next. I'm going to interview you. Do you need immediate medical aid? Yeah. If I'll call for immediate medical aid, can I get some facts from you? Mm -hmm. You ask the questions with consideration. Uh, you explain the process after I speak with you. Uh, we're going to get you into an ambulance. I'm going to take you to the hospital. We're going to get you some fresh clothes. Um, the suspect's been arrested. We're going to ask the, you to identify them. Mm -hmm. uh, the next steps are you're going to go to victim witness people. 
uh, you're going to be taken care of. You're going to be asked f further questions by other people. I'm sorry, but we're going to have to repeat the process. Yeah. And then it, maybe it, go as far as to explaining uh, the court process down the road. But uh, you give that preamble, you get the information you need, and then you do a closure with, uh, tell them what you just told them, mm -hmm. go back to the chronology of what happens next and what's expected of them. Um, give them a piece of paper with your name on it, yeah. a contact, a follow-up contact, the case number, um, maybe some other pertinent e details that they might not remember that you're telling them right now. Yeah, right. Uh, I want to touch on one uh, to back up. You have to also consider the demographic of who you're talking with mm -hmm. um, and match that with the crime. And I'm specifically thinking of child sex abuse. Yeah. Um, I interviewed a guy named Don Howell several years ago at Ailita, and he wrote an excellent book on um, cr uh, sex crime uh, investigations simplified or something to that effect. So Don Howell, and you'll Google him and you'll find it. Great book. Um, during the interview, you know, he described that, you know, you have to figure it, the age between 5 and 12 is different than 12 to 18, and then an adult is different from all of that. And so, you know, he had pointed out that if you're dealing with a child that's less than 10 years old, say, you have to have the, you know, uh, genetically correct, you know, diagram. And where where did this happen to you? Mm -hmm. So you have to be prepared to, to kind of become the, a different interviewer when you have an interviewee that's, you know, um, say particularly young, say has suffered a vicious, violent attack, um, ha would have memory loss or blocking of memory, you know, like literally I'm going to block that out and I'm never going to remember it again. So it's it's. I think what it really comes down to is you have to be flexible and understand that you're dealing with an individual and not just the per a person. Right. And I think you're going to have to take in a larger agency or an agency where you have relationships with other agencies to cite your example of a child who's been sexually assaulted. Uh, in San Francisco, we used the multidisciplinary interview process where even though you are the investigating officer, you may have um, better people to do the interview. If it's a female victim, you may want to use a female from the team, maybe not even a police officer. So in this process, mm -hmm. it's the district attorney, somebody from uh, child welfare. It is a physician or a nurse. And everybody's been trained in the same trauma interview techniques. Mm -hmm. Uh, everyone gets their questions together on a sheet of paper. Uh, the interviewer wears a, um, a Bluetooth or a hearing device where other questions could be piped into them from the other team that's observing behind a two-way mirror or in another room watching on a video monitor. And in this way, a child who may otherwise be subjected to four or five different interviews yeah. by the caseworker, by the nurse, by the doctor by the da by the cop it all happens once yeah it lessens the impact of those interviews and everybody's questions gets asked right excellent excellent uh, what are you doing in your agencies um, are you doing ci um, do you have another name for this type of uh, interview process send us an email to policing matters at police one.com that's policing matters at police one.com thanks again for listening